0: But I also realized I I want to serve. So even though I'm introverted and shy, I still have a message and I still want to get out to the world. And I'm not quite sure how to do that, but but it's time for me to try to figure out a way.
1: Hi, everyone, and welcome to Scale Up with Nick Bradley and to the first interview in our new format, our new season of the show. Now, I am super excited today. You see, back in January this year, I made a decision to up-level the show, to scale up the show, so to speak. And one of the things I envisaged was not only interviewing a broader range of guests, but having powerful conversations with people who are making a huge impact in the world. So to kick things off, we have on the show today the incredible... Evan Carmichael.
0: At the beginning, I did everything myself. And then the first person I hired was a part-time editor, which allowed me to make more content. So we were making up to three videos a day on the main channel.
1: Evan does not need an introduction. We're going to give you one anyway. Gary Vaynerchuk has called Evan the DJ of inspiration. Ed Milette has said that Evan is the modern day Napoleon Hill. Inc. has named him one of the top 100 great leadership speakers of our time. Forbes has named him one of the world's top 40 social marketing talents. But for me, the thing that I really love about Evan is that he has one big mission. And that is that he wants to solve what he says is the world's biggest problem. The fact that people do not believe in themselves enough. Pretty cool, hey? And one last thing, (laughs) apparently Evan has a giant Doritos bag in front of him all day long to remind him that he is stronger than the Doritos. So I want you to sit back, get strapped in for an awesome conversation on focus, discipline, consistency, and most of all, belief. Plus, we're going to get into how you can build an amazing media platform like Evan has done with YouTube, which now has over 3 million subscribers worldwide. One last thing, if you stick around to the very end, I have a surprise for you. Evan does a little one-to-one coaching, let's call it that anyway, with someone very dear to my heart. And this was officially post-interview with Stopped Recording, but I wanted to leave it in as it shows the true character and the heart of the man. So there you have it a new season of the podcast, kicking off with an amazing conversation that I know will help and inspire you. Welcome to Scale Up, Mr. Evan Carmichael. Hi, everybody. It is Nick Bradley here. Welcome to another episode of Scale Up Your Business. I'm delighted to have someone I have admired from afar for some time, and we're going to get right into how he's built up his world today, and that is Mr. Evan Carmichael. Welcome to the show.
0: Let's go, Nick. Thanks for having me, man. Great to be here. I'm excited to dive in.
1: Yeah, listen, I appreciate your time. Listen, there's so many places we could go with this conversation, but one of the things I want to do, I'm conscious of the fact that we talk about scaling up business, scaling up lives, all that sort of thing. And your story is amazing. What I want to really get into is how you've built this amazing channel, this amazing mission behind the channel, Uh, because a lot of people come to me and they say, "Listen, how do I how do I start with a platform? How do I start with getting my message out there?" And your story is incredible. So if you can just start off by just sharing that journey with us, that would be great.
0: Sure. So I started April two thousand nine. Uploaded my first video. Uh, I'm I'm shy. I'm introverted. It doesn't come come across in these kinds of interviews, but I really struggled a lot with making a video, just getting my face out on camera and having it be perfect and memorizing a script and all all of the insecurities and weaknesses that um, that we have. But I also realized I, I want to serve. So even though I'm introverted and shy, I still have a message and I still want to get out to the world. And I'm not quite sure how to do that, but I, but it's time for me to try to figure out a way. So I went to YouTube because it was visual and I'm a visual learner first, like the fact that I can see you here makes it easier. Even if people are just listening on the audio side, just makes it easy for me to connect at the time. YouTube was not a, a a thought leader education platform. You know, the videos that were doing well, were old man falls downstairs and here's my cat and just kind of meme silly stuff. And i was this crazy guy going and making educational videos on youtube it since has has massively transformed where now people go to youtube as the first place a lot of times to get any kind of information to help them grow their business or their life but it wasn't like that at the beginning my first video i put up i had three comments in one year one was my mom one was my older sister, you know, thank you, mom and sis. And one was some <laughs> random dude, you know, so like some random person found my video, you know, after a year of that oh, video being up. Uh, I, I post the stats on my website of how I've grown every year, but it took something like five years to get to 9,000 subscribers.
1: Well, I'm looking at that now because that was, that was what prompted this first question because I read, okay. I read your story, right? And I know there's an inflection point, which we'll get into here. But we're talking five years and then you were at like 2,000 and now you're over 3 million. So this this kind of compounding effect or this thing that's happened, I mean, because first and foremost, like, you know, your mission, everything around believe and entrepreneurs and people believing in themselves, where did that come from? Does that always been in you? Or is that something that you had to think through and reflect on and, and come up with?
0: So I think your purpose comes from your pain. Okay. Whatever you struggled with the most as a human is what you want to help other people through. It's one of the most common questions that I get asked in helping entrepreneurs is they ask me, How do I find my purpose? How do I find my passion? I don't know what I'm here, you know, to do. You don't have to go meditate on a mountain for 10 years to figure this out. Your purpose comes from your pain. When did you feel the lowest as a human? Not, not like you hurt your neck or something, you know, physical pain, but emotional pain. When did you feel the most worthless? We've all had those moments, everybody. You know, the fancy people that you see with their beautiful lives, they've had very painful moments there are millions of people who currently are who you used to be and they need your help. So for me, I struggled a lot as an entrepreneur. I had my first real business when I was 19 and quit on my business partner uh, for a day. I went back the next day, but just really struggled and, Felt worthless. I mean, I'm making 300 bucks a month. There was no scaling up, you know, it's it's like, I wish I knew Nick because I need to know how to scale this business. Cause I can't even make more than 300 bucks a month right now, man. (laughs) I just felt really bad. You know, I felt, I felt worthless. Um, And we eventually made it through, but I basically want to help all the 19 year old Evans out there. And there are millions of them right now. So even the video, even this interview, you know, I, I, in my mindset, I'm thinking 19-year-old Evan who's struggling, who doesn't believe in himself. That's why I do what I do. I've attracted a lot of people who have various interests, but at the core, that's still who I'm talking to. So whoever's trying to figure out their purpose or their passion, think about who you used to be and what you struggled with. There are millions of people who are like that right yeah, now. I love that. And they need I love your that. help.
1: I, and I think, you know, and when I was reading through your story, a lot of it resonates with stuff that I've been through as well in different ways. But I can, I can appreciate that, what I do now, I didn't, I didn't necessarily go out there deliberately to find a purpose or a mission. Something happens. I connected with that thing. And then I realized what I do now is filling a void in many cases of something that was, I was running away from for many years. So it kind of discovered me, if that makes sense. I just, it probably was always there, Evan, but I didn't see it at the time because I was clouded with all sorts of other things going on. And, and for you, I mean, what was the painful point? What, what was that one point where you thought, you know what, there's a shift now? You know, let's call it rock bottom. What was that point?
0: Rock bottom was I'm either late 19, or early 20, um, been in this business for a year. It's not working. Uh, and I quit on my business partner. So We're at a good. family dinner, family event, and... It's just been a year of just trying every, it's not for lack of effort, you know? Like if you're not trying and you don't win, fine. But like every day, just sucking. And I I told my business partner, I quit. And I couldn't believe that I had said I quit. You know, like I couldn't believe that I said those words out of my mouth. I was just so hopeless and desperate and didn't know what to do. Um, I hung up the phone and then just cried the hardest I've ever cried, like stuff kind of my eyes, my nose, you know, it just, it was terrible. Uh, My mom comes up, puts her hand on my shoulder. Um, I don't even know what she says. You know, I have the worst sleep of my life wake up the next day kind of. And I just, I had the voice of Jeff Bezos in my head where he has his regret minimization framework, which was basically just don't live with regrets. (laughs) Like he left his big wall street job, to start Amazon, which everybody thought was crazy. He was like the youngest VP ever at his bank or at his at his investment job. Um, and he left it to go sell books on the internet. And Everybody thought he was nuts, but he didn't want to live with regrets. And so I use that to say, I don't want to live with regret. I don't want to quit now. And then when I'm an old man at 40, this is what I tell myself, I'm 41 now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Makes me feel better, I'm 46, I'm
0: thinking, yeah. yeah. I'm, when you're 20, you're like, oh, 40. You're like, you can't even function anymore. you oh, know, you're man. An old man. So when I'm an old man at 40, I'm going to look back on my life and regret that I, that I, that I quit because I still have at least a little bit more in the tank with me. And so I have to keep going. But then I, I realized um, there's another quote that came to mind from Oprah who said, just find another way to stand. Like you can keep on the same mission, but you have to find another way to stand, find another way to do it. And so, okay, what I've been doing just has not been working very obviously, very, very clearly, but I'm not going to quit. I have to find another way to stand because I don't want to live with regret. And that kind of lifted me out to, to help me discover how to model success. Uh, I, I just asked myself, I can't be the first guy to try to start a software company before, right? Like why? I can't be that big of a dummy so how about I just learn from somebody who's done it? And Bill Gates was the first guy who came to mind, started Microsoft. And so I just researched his story. How did he get started? Applied the strategy and in short order, had my first deal for $13,500, which to me was scaling up, dude. I mean, I'm making 300 bucks a month, 13 and a half K. Oh my gosh, I was rich. Uh, <laughs> but more than that, it gave me a strategy to keep following. That I can get more deals and land more companies. And we got acquired uh, two years later. And what have I done since? This is like the past 20 years of still just modeling success and teaching others how they can model success too.
1: Yeah, awesome. And, and just, I mean, I love to get practical for people here listening in. So, that first, if you can remember back, I'm sure you can. The first things that you took from looking externally, as you said, modeling success, and then you applied it to get to that 13 and a half grand. Do you remember what that was?
0: Partnerships. So, okay. how did Bill Gates start Microsoft? It was through partnerships and not not somebody like investing in him, but finding somebody who could sell to his customer instead of selling to the customer direct it was selling to somebody who could sell to the customer. So Microsoft's big deal came with IBM. Uh, you know, us us old old
1: people can remember that. I IBM. do remember this. I I try to pretend I'm really young, right? I try to sort of you know. <laughs> you look
0: great, dude. You look like you look like you're 25. Oh,
1: I um, love you. I love you already, Evan. I liked you
0: before. <laughs> now I love you. Keep going. <laughs> for the for the for the podcast audience, Nick is looking amazing. Um, <laughs> but their big deal came with IBM. IBM was the big seller of computers. Like IBM was the number one computer yeah. seller. They don't even sell computers anymore, but they were the number one. And Microsoft made a deal that every IBM ship had Microsoft software on it. And that blew their company up. But Microsoft was already a $7 million company when they made that deal. So, that was small compared to what they are now, but it was $7 million more than what I had. You know, $7 million was scaling up beyond the measure that I could do even think Do you know what,
1: of. though? Do you know what's interesting about that, right? So, so, when people ask me the question about scale-up, you've got the organic stuff, right? Win one customer at a time. Yeah. And then you've got the strategic. The strategic is only two things. It's acquisitions and it's joint ventures. And so, you know, I know you were joking around before, you know, it wasn't much of a scale-up, but that thread of partnership to do what you did is one of the more strategic ways that lots of entrepreneurs don't even consider, particularly early stage. And, I mean, obviously, you've taken that further forward into the stuff we're going to get into because a lot of your world, as I see it outside looking in, is about collaborations and networks.
0: This is why I wish I met you when I was
1: 19. (laughs) You didn't need me. You didn't need me, right? (laughs) Uh, I
0: desperately needed you in the early days, Nick. Desperately. Um, So, so, Microsoft, you know, they made that deal, but they were $7 million company. So then I asked myself, well, how did they get to 7 million more partnerships, just smaller yeah. ones that led to the IBM deal? So then I thought, okay, well, who can I partner with? Who, what kind of aligned strategy can I create to help me reach more people who's already targeting my audience? Um, and it wasn't, I, I wish I was smart enough. or I wish I met Nick before, because it, it was really just desperation that led to that idea. It sounds like a simple enough idea. I don't know. I
1: just never thought of it and I, I didn't read enough or, or learn uh, enough. Most entrepreneurs don't though. I mean, the stuff, the stuff I get involved in these days, and it's kind of escalated since I've had more of a platform to talk about it, is you have lots of entrepreneurs who are just hitting their head against a brick wall. They might have a, they might have a good business in terms of it's doing something rather. But if they want to get to an end game, right? Whatever that is, it could be a, a wealth end game, an impact end game, something like that. They still try and do it in this painful, methodical, as I said, one customer at a time way when the, the answer is is collaboration. Now I'm going to I'm going to twist this a bit on you if that's all right. Oh yeah, so, let's do it. Okay, you're ready. So so as I'm hearing you say this partnerships come on board you get the exit that's all great. YouTube channel you know comes comes into frame here at some point. Mm-hmm. And it takes you 5 years to then partner with is it Steve <laughs> to then to then do the same thing to really scale an incredible scale sorry why didn't you take the partnership thing, or maybe you didn't try it different ways, but why didn't you take the partnership thing early into your, your media and YouTube channel to scale more quickly?
0: <laughs> what a great question. I don't know, I don't know, Nick. I wish I met you back then.
1: <laughs> I'm just curious. I'm a curious dude, right? And I'm like, yeah. you're, a, you're a smart guy. You've done stuff that I, I absolutely admire. And I'm thinking, there we go. There's a logical play there. <laughs> so, you know, the
0: thing that's, it's an interesting connection I never made. The thing that I took, wasn't the partnerships. The thing that I took was the modeling success. Okay. And so I modeled Bill Gates. He did a few partnerships. So then I had success with my software company. When I was modeling on YouTube, there wasn't anybody at the time who was doing YouTube videos. So that was a little harder game to go. Like being an influencer wasn't a thing when I started. So I was modeling other speakers. I was modeling Tony Robbins and I was modeling, you know, Jim Rohn and, and those guys who I looked up to. And yeah, partnership wasn't really part of the model. So I should have made that extra connection. It took me five
1: years to get there. Yeah, <laughs> but you're put, think of it this way, you were putting in the practice, you're putting in the yeah. hours. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> I I had this I had the same thing with the podcast. Like, you know, the podcast, the first three months of it, like, you know, if I had three people listening to it, I'd be happy, right? And they were probably my my family. And then it kind of there was a couple of conversations that just changed the game and then it, it escalated quickly. Um, but, but it was a similar sort of thing. I wasn't going to give up because I wasn't really doing it for the numbers, right? I was doing it because I had to get out stuff inside me that I thought people needed to hear that could help them. So, if that was one person, to your point about 19-year-old you, or if that was 20,000 people or more, at the point, it never, ever changed. It never deviated. So, for me, it wasn't about that. It and I think, to be frank, by not focusing it in that way, made it more intentional and um, probably more authentic anyway.
0: A hundred percent. I mean, what you just said is bang on. I think it's, it's one of the biggest reasons why people don't stay consistent. People will often ask me, how do you stay so consistent? You know, how have you made, we just had a count, and there's over 10,000 videos on my YouTube channel. Not all of them are public, but 10,000 videos you know, she been doing it for, uh, since 2009. So almost, almost a thousand videos a year <laughs> for 10 years, right. Over. Right. So how I've never even thought about, like, I don't think about that as we're doing it, but how do I not burn out? So many people are burning out from, from creating, how do you not burn out? It's like, well, one, I love the thing that I'm doing, right. Like, is, is this work? Is talking to Nick work? Like, this is fun. This isn't, this isn't, oh, I got to work to do. Go talk to Nick. He's like, I got to talk to Nick. Let's talk. To, he's going to ask some great questions. It's going to be fun. Like th- I'm going to have more energy coming out of this than I had going into it. Right. So yes. the most successful entrepreneurs are the ones who actually love the process of what they're doing. But in terms of judging the results, I would always focus on who I still do. I focus on who I have instead of who I don't who I am talking to instead of who's not watching. And I think that's where people fall down is you might see Nick and have all his downloads, you might see me and all the YouTube views, and then you make your video and 30 people watch it and you feel like the biggest failure on the planet. But why not focus on those 30 people? You know, Like if you went to speak yeah. at a local library or something and 30 people showed up, you'd be really nervous. Yeah, you know? it's like, oh my gosh, there's 30 people here, I better deliver. But because it's on YouTube or Instagram or somewhere, you feel like a, a giant failure. I always focus on those 30 people and assume that the message was hitting somebody at least one person in, the yeah. 30 in a meaningful way. And when you can do that, it, it gives you the courage, motivation, incentive to just keep going because it feels like what you're doing matters. And at the end of the day, we all want to feel like the work that we create on a daily basis is making a meaningful impact on somebody else's life.
1: Yeah. And and I think that's where a lot of, you know, if you think about it these days, people I forget the stats, but particularly in, in what we do, people start and they stop very quickly because they're not seeing what they perceive as a result. But I, I love the reframing of that because, as I said, you know, when I first started this, it was me talking into a into a microphone, you know, in a dark room. My first episodes is absolutely funny, terrible, um, but I didn't care, right? Because at that point in time, it wasn't really about what it's become. And I, I, I've said this to people on the sides, so like. I'm very grateful and appreciative of the people that I've met, the networks I've made, but it wasn't intentional in that way. The intention was to serve with a message that I thought people needed to hear from the experience that I went through. And to this day, to this day, I don't care about it that much at all. I mean, I'm a bit astounded and surprised that it's had some salience, right? But I don't, I don't overthink that. And I think it's a message, again, people listening to this from me who's a a, a novice compared to the stuff you've done in this world. But if you're gonna start this game and you're gonna play in this game, take these points on board because I think it's one of the secrets to longevity and sustainability.
0: I, I agree, man. I think if more people took that mindset, especially if you've had success somewhere else, it's really hard to start over. If you've had any kind of success in business this is your next venture, or you see Gary Vee doing his thing, you think I could do that. And then you you launch and you start doing it and you realize that it's not working. It's it's very difficult for people to start from scratch again, um, and I love it. You know, I sometimes secretly hope everything goes to zero just to start over again. Uh, I love oh, don't the, say that. I love, <laughs> uh, well, I, honestly, I like I love the build-up phase so much. I love it so much. So my my way around it, I don't do it because I have a team now. We've got thirty-six people on the team, so now that's also other people's jobs and livelihoods that I'm not just going to throw around and also the impact that it has, but I'll launch new channels. So I launched a gaming channel where uh, I play uh, now Minecraft with my son and uh, take questions
1: for two hours. Oh, wow. So, okay. So yeah. there's something funny here just to jump in. So okay. my nine-year-old, my nine-year-old is, um, wants to start a gaming channel on YouTube. Yep. And so I've said to her, I so said, I'm speaking to one of the most prolific YouTube guys in the world today. So you have to come in. And ask a question, and she's panicking. Like, oh, I don't want to come in, and then I had to, to promise her that I would bring her in after the conversation that we're filming to ask you a question about this. So, so get ready for that later. He's, she's going to ask about Minecraft and all these things.
0: Okay, well, maybe we should bring her in now. It's it's pretty timely to so what we. I
1: know, I know, but she won't come. Well, anyway, let's see, let's see where we get to. Um, I want to get a little bit more practical on the YouTube piece, just to go back to what we started talking about there. So, if you look at you know that again. I say inflection point. To 2013, you're around 2,000, two and a half thousand subscribers, and then suddenly, within that next 12 months, it sort of quadruples, and then obviously from there it compounds and compounds. What are the things that changed? You know, in terms of maybe mindset, maybe the stuff that you actually started to do.
0: Yeah. So a couple things. Three, three big things, and I talked a little bit about on my website. But uh, one was. YouTube started to become more of an educational platform people started going to consume long-form content you know when I when I put out a video I was super proud of that was six and a half minutes or so yeah people who I respected it in the in the thought leadership industry said it's too long nobody's gonna watch it you don't understand how the internet works was a direct quote um, and a six minute like now a six minute video is nothing uh, but YouTube started to catch up and not that I was so far ahead of the game when I knew Nostradamus said this is gonna happen um, but YouTube started to become an educational platform and I had educational content. So that was one. Second was, um, I met my wife and it's funny that when you, you look at when I got married to the growth of the channel, I, uh, I should probably talk about it more because I think a lot of people feel like, how do I make my business happen when I have a, a daughter, when I have yeah. a wife, when I have, I've become a better entrepreneur as a result of having my family. Not the other way around. Um, that by having you know my wife support me, or having my you know twelve-year-old son, um, I, I think I become better. Is, I
1: have, is that is that a deeper level of understanding your why behind what you do? Is it is, is it that level, or is it? I mean, what, what is it specifically that that made that change?
0: Um, I don't know. I don't know that I thought deeply enough about it. Apart from the fact that I just feel it. So yeah, okay. I think generally that when you're when you're when you're happier, you show up better, you know, like when you're happy mm. in life, you show up better to your business. When you're happy in your business, you show up better to your, your life, etc. So me having somebody who I'm an introvert, so I don't need I don't have a lot of friends. I don't need friends. I, I don't like to talk. <laughs>
1: But, uh, I don't but believe having, any of this, but, but listen, I'm, I'm going with it because you're my guest. So, you know,
0: it's true. And having, well, I think well, I think it's actually important because I think, there's, I think there's a lot of introverts who feel like they can't create content, they can't win, they're not good enough, et cetera. And, and you can, I'm here to say you can. But I, I like having one person that I can, I still need some people, you know, I like having one person much more, much, much, much more tiny inner circle than wide circle. And so in, in marrying Nina um, I don't know, just I felt more liberated. I felt more free. I felt more that I could be myself. I felt more um, just love in general for her, for me, for what I'm doing, for life. It, life felt more rich. And that that brought more happiness to the work that I was doing. I showed up differently. And I also showed up with more courage. I don't know. I feel, I guess because Nina hasn't done, now Nina's part of my business, but Nina at the beginning didn't, She didn't have any youtube knowledge to share with me (laughs) you know she doesn't have any tactical you know experience that's gonna hey i if you use this thumbnail it's gonna you know none of that stuff but for whatever reason having her in my life gave me more belief and more courage in myself which allowed me to take bets that otherwise i wouldn't have done before
1: it makes total Uh, sense to me i mean you know there's the the piece that you know your your emotional state is changed by that right so as you said beforehand if you're happy how you show up in other areas of your life is happy for me i think it's come down to uh, a greater sense of meaning right a greater sense of wanting to role model certain behaviors for my children and people ask me ask me a lot of times you know what why do you do what you do because i want to set an example you know not not just for my family but for other people But that is quite an important value or driver for me, which has come from having a family. But I I think the way you said it, the happiness underlining that point, you're happy and you appreciate and you're grateful of what you've got. That's how you show up. So you you
0: always do more for somebody else than you will for yourself. So if you can connect, I'm doing this to be an example for my daughter or my son or whoever, you'll you'll show up more. Those days when you would normally let yourself off the hook, you say, I've had a busy week or like nobody's going to notice or whatever, like, no, 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 I need to set an example. I'm going to do this. And so I think, I think it's just, it's a whole other conversation or can of worms or episodes or series, but I think people often look at family as the negative and that you have to sacrifice that. Uh, it's only been from my personal experience, only been a positive, only helped fuel the growth of everything that I'm doing. Um, as well as just personal happiness and fulfillment in life.
1: And and time check here, when did you, so so that was the time you met your wife or when you got married?
0: Uh, so that started like from when I met her to when I started, you know, when we got married, then, you know, things started really, um, blowing up. And before her, I had, you know, what the key difference was I had two relationships prior, both were five years. So like, I'm only been, I'm only a long-term relationship kind of guy. And both of, um, my exes were, were very supportive in what I did, but it was always my thing. Like they did their thing. I did my thing. And then when I, when I met Nina, she saw that I was speaking at, at, an, at an event. Um, and she's like, can I come? Like, oh, we're going to talk about business stuff. Like it's entrepreneur things. It's not interesting. No, no, but I want to just come and see what you do. Like, you want to come and see what I do? Like, oh, sure. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Wow. Imagine that." Um, and and, it, and I never asked for it too. So that's not, you know, blaming my exes. I never said, Hey, could you please come and support me? Because they would have. But Nina just has the more. Nina has just a strong, caring heart, and wanted to come and support. And it's like, oh, this feels really good. You know, like it feels nice to have someone support you in the front row
1: of the audience, or to talk with you before you go live when you're nervous. And um, oh, it's hugely. I mean, it's hugely important. I remember when I was growing up, my grandfather. um, He never missed any sporting thing that I ever did. And I can remember, every, uh, he, it was one of his principles, like he would never, ever miss it. And, and I just used to perform better because I wanted to uh, either impress him or make him proud of what I was doing. So, it's a similar sort of thing, you know, yeah, yeah. because you're proud of what you're creating, right? And to share that with people that you care about makes the whole experience better. So, so I think the cool. difference,
0: well, and again, like I wish I had met you earlier, um, I just didn't feel like I needed it. So I never, I never asked for it. I never, I never let people in. Um, There's a, there's a great line from a song. uh, I never knew that I was starving until I tasted you. And that's how I feel about a lot of things is like, Oh my gosh, like this is a whole other world that I didn't even know existed. Right. So that was where Nina just in her caring just said, Hey, can I come? Can I support? Can I be a part? I don't care that. I don't care about entrepreneurship. I care about you. It's like, Okay. Yeah, And just open up a whole new, I mean, in talking about it sounds like the stupidest thing of all time, but, but I guess that was my mindset at the beginning. Like, I don't need anybody. I'll just do it myself. I'm introverted. I'm, I'm emotionally pretty stable. Like it takes a lot to rock me on things. So like, I'll be fine. I'll I'll crush it. Like, don't worry. You do your thing. Yeah. Go hang out with your friends, stay home and relax. I'll go do my thing. So I would unintentionally, I guess, push people away. And Nina wanted to like force herself in, in a caring way. Um, so that story's not
1: on the website. Maybe I. I, I no, but I'm. You know, it's it's. I, I'm. I, I like getting underneath things a little bit more than what people go find a website, you're right? Yeah. And um, the underline for me here is again, if people are listening to this, and you're right. Sometimes as entrepreneurs, we think that there there needs to be a pushback of the family, like, well, I need to go and focus on building this thing, right? <laughs> so actually, that means I need to, you know, maybe not, you know, bring them in. But I think that's you know what you've just shared there uh, is the opposite of that. So again, I I like, I like getting lessons out of people who are successful, similar to you two, but different. Um, because I think people who are listening to this, it might just change their perspective. They might just hear what you said then and go, Oh, maybe I've approached this the wrong way, particularly if they're not feeling happy about what they're creating. So for sure. Very cool.
0: Um, the third thing was like Steve, which I think, yeah, I was going to get into that. where we were going with it, um, which is what's on the website and people know more of the story, but Steve is, is my agent, who still is my agent, and he helped build Grant Cardone and Mel Robbins and a bunch of other thought leaders. And he, at the time when I met him, I was through a, a mutual friend uh, and this guy said, hey, can you help me with a project? My, my agent wants me to do this. I was like, you have an agent? Yeah, but you're a thought leader. It's like, yeah, how, does, how do thought leaders have agents? I like I think about it from the sports world. I'm a baseball fan, so yeah. you know athletes have agents, but a, like a, a thought leader, a business person has an agent. Can I meet this guy? <laughs> uh, and Steve was a and still is a pioneer, I guess, in what he does of representing people and such. Um, and when I met him, he said, "Okay, Evan, here's the deal with you. I love what you stand for." I had my Believe messaging. I had all the content going up. I love, I love the mission that you're on. The problem is you're not very good in front of the camera. <laughs> and uh, that was like five <laughs> years of making videos already, right? Like five years, dude, you're killing me. He said, the problem that I face often is that I get people who are really good in front of the camera because they're coming from media. They're coming from already having a background at CNN or, or whatever. They're, they're camera ready, but they don't know what their message is. And so we help them craft their message and take it to market. You're the exact opposite. You have this, you have the best message of anybody here, but you suck on camera. So we're going to take a flyer on you and uh, and we'll see where it
1: goes. Like, okay, I, I, I'm in, let, let me- So that let means, me, sorry, just it. to be clear, take a flyer means take a chance, right? So this is take, like, yes. gonna, take a punt. And and do you, I mean, I'm going to go back and look at the early videos now, I haven't done that. I'm going to go, <laughs> were you really that bad? Or was there just not, a, not an awareness of that?
0: I mean, I think we're always our own harshest critic. It took me 350 public videos until I didn't absolutely hate what I was making, 350. And then it took 700 videos public until I inspired myself where I looked like, huh? I'm like, I'm starting to get this a little bit, you know? 700 public videos in. Um, But I still think, think that I suck on camera. Like I'm still working on getting better. Now, I've, I've come a long, long, long way, but he was right. I mean, I'm not naturally extroverted. I'm, I'm, I was super afraid of being in front of the camera. I sucked at storytelling. I just had something that I wanted, I wanted to help. I wanted to share. and I thought it might help a few people. So he gave me assignments. Like, okay, your first video is we need to make uh, your, your foundation story video. That's his first exercise. Like, Why do you do what you do? Like, okay. And I would film those three times a day. And these would be twenty to forty minute videos. So I'd film in the morning. He'd give me feedback. I film it again at lunch. He'd give me feedback.
1: I film it again in the afternoon. Wow. So these weren't live. These weren't going up anywhere. This was you effectively doing the same thing day in day out. Unlisted videos,
0: twenty to forty minutes, telling my story. He gave me a template, a structure to follow, and then he just
1: we did I don't know thirty versions of it, something like that, three times a day. And you ever did you ever script any of this stuff because. I, I, can't, I can't do scripted stuff. If someone puts a script in front of me, I go crazy. But did you just go off the, off the cuff? Well,
0: so I, I started scripting at the beginning yep. because my biggest fear is I'm going to disappoint people. So I didn't okay. want people to come to my video and have it be a train wreck. So I thought, okay, the only way to do that is to have it scripted. But I suck at memorizing too. And I actually suck with scripts. <laughs> If you tell me a topic, I'm sure you're you know you're the same way. You say, hey, Nick, talk about this. You can go on and talk about it, but yeah. say these words line for lines. Like, forget about it. It's going to take you- I a have day. to have bullet
1: points. I have to have yeah. like, you know, I can have like five bullet points and then talk around the bullet points for like 40 minutes. But yeah. if someone gets me to say like, wow, now and all this, it's like- <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so that's me. But I was
0: too insecure and scared about saying the wrong thing and yeah. missing one of my points that I memorized. Or scripted everything, so it took a lot longer. And I think also when something's memorized, it's it's less um, less authentic because when you wrote it, it was very authentic. But now, because you're, you're staying up in your head and not getting into your heart when you're delivering it,
1: yes, it becomes yes. a lot
0: less authentic. Even for interviews like this, I used to insist on having questions ahead of time so that oh, I, okay, because I'd be afraid. I don't want to show up for Nick's show and not know what we're talking about, and then. Uh, disappoint him and disappoint his audience that would be the story in my head but i i took those away because i found that if you gave me your list of questions that have a rehearsed answer for everything and to be a lot less genuine and authentic it becomes where- it
1: becomes mechanical like you know the conversation doesn't flow there's no real rapport because i like what you said before again just to to emphasize that is you're not coming from here right i'm touching my heart yeah. listeners by the way <laughs> you know um and and i find that that the connection here versus here changes everything in terms of the influence or impact you make so i mean i love the story i want to go deeper into this so you're rehearsing, you're doing these things, you're getting told to do it. You must be getting pretty good at the, at least the story after that practice. Um, keep going. How, how did that keep evolving? So
0: by the end of it, we finally had a version that we were, I mean, it still wasn't very good, but it's just, I guess it's very good rel- relative to what I was doing, but not to where I needed to be. If we're looking at Grant Cardone and Mel Robbins and the p- people who he had trained, I was still very, very, very far away. Uh, but he started giving me coaching and I guess he had a soft spot in his heart, you know, for me and the message and what we were doing. And, yep. um, the next battle that we really fought was, I you don't want to be famous. It's like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I have no need to be famous. That's a problem. Why? I don't think it's a problem. I think that's a great. <laughs> And this is, this, this is another, like, I wish I had known Nick at that point, because he probably would have- This is cry.
1: great. A lot of this, none of this stuff's on your website, man. I mean, like, this is, I mean, I'm enjoying this. I enjoyed the story on the website, but this is this is much better. <laughs> you know, but look how long the website story is, too. It's crazy.
0: Um, anyway, yeah. So, like, what pieces to, to bring and bring out? This was probably a three-year fight with Steve. Uh, and he probably just got so frustrated with me that he, he didn't push as hard, because- I was super stubborn on, I don't need to be famous, Steve. This is not something that really matters to me. I want to get the message out. You know, I don't care if I'm in front. I don't like to be in front of the spotlight.
1: I don't like- You, did, you didn't realize at this point in time that, you know, the idea of of getting the message out there to as many people as possible kind of is a definition of fame.
0: <laughs> well, see, the, so, so he set a line, you know, three years, three years in. Again, like if we just had Nick sit with us for- 45 seconds, you know, answer. <laughs>
1: saves me three years hey, of time. I'm glad, glad, to, glad to be of service, Evan. Um, yeah.
0: <laughs> so I, I got to make a mental note. The next time I'm struggling with something, like just call Nick up first. So it saves oh, me because
1: this is going to be a three to five year uh, battle. Uh, I'm pretty but, straight dude. like, honestly, you'll get a straight answer from me. You, you know, sometimes you like it. Sometimes you hate it, but. You oh, know, that's what I'm answer. saying. Like
0: the next time I struggle with something, I got to call you up so that I don't waste three years going the wrong direction. But we Steve finally said to me, uh, the line he said was, the more people know you, the more they'll hear the message. Yeah. It's like, Oh, (laughs) that's what you've been trying to say for three years. Got it. Um, So, you know, I always associated fame with having a big ego and ripping people off and doing things for the wrong reasons and all of that stuff. And like, Oh, but the more people know me, the more they'll get the message. I'm message driven. Uh, and so that now started to click. Now, I still had all sorts of insecurities and fears and like, how does an introvert go become famous and all this kind of stuff still. But at least, at least I was aligned with where we need to go. You know, we might be moving there slowly, but I'm not putting the brakes on to say, no, I don't want to go there. Um, so, so Steve was really instrumental in helping unlock, you know, that in me, as well as giving the practical tips on, okay, don't start with that. That part sucked in your video. Don't
1: do this. Like He's, he's this New York straight shooter who will tell you, you know, give He's, love. He, sound, he sounds it. fantastic. I like the guy already. Um, <laughs> your, your numbers, I mean, you know, without, <clears throat> we're not really talking a lot about the metrics, which I deliberately didn't want to get into, but I think it's just worth articulating that there was a big shift that happened over that period of time. Um, were you putting out, you said before about the longer form content, but were you putting out more content? Did you did you rebrand yourself, for example? Did you Did you spend more money on, or more time and money on the assets that surrounded your I say personal brand, but back then it's a brand, right? Still a brand. Was there any other things that you did around the edges which helped amplify?
0: You know, hiring definitely helped. Yeah. That that, but I had I had a small team already with me when I had you know that was slowly scaling, but not to where we saw the hyper growth. Um, at the beginning, I did everything myself, and then the first person I hired was a part-time editor, which allowed me to make more content. So we were making up to three videos a day on the main channel uh and that's thanks to the team because i suck at editing and had no you know uh, so you were just anything.
1: filming you were filming content based on some form of was, was there a was there a schedule behind the content or was it a mixture between being strategic and intuitive what i mean by that is looking out there and seeing what your audience wanted versus you just feeling what you should say
0: it's a mix of both for sure yeah Um, especially when we're doing profiles of other people, like the model and success series, that was a lot of audience driven. Like, who do you want me to make a video on next? And they would vote and they'd tell me who to go and do partly. It was super helpful because not just from market research, but I'm very ignorant on most things. So I don't follow the news cycle. I don't follow many sports or music or, um, other cultures. You know, when, when they said do Naveen Jain, I had no idea who that was. It's like, wow, that's actually, he's awesome. And so they've introduced me to people who I'd never heard of before. And that helps expand my horizon um, and my learning as well. But but I still have to want to make a video on them. So it's that combination. Like, what do you want to yeah. do with what the market wants inside of that? If it's just what you want to do, but the market doesn't care, you've got a hobby. And if you just chase an opportunity, but you don't love it, you're going to lose because you're going up against people who do love it. But in that intersection of what you love with where there's opportunity, that's your next successful business. Um, and so we've always been very community driven. Every comment, even now, gets a reply on the channel. Uh, there's uh, one dedicated person on my team who's in charge of community management, responding to all comments. And then the ones that I need to see, she gives to me and I respond to those ones. Um, so yeah, it's made a huge impact over the years. But th- but in terms of number of videos or team, that's been more slow growth. It wasn't like when I got this person, then everything really blew up. It was really that combination of Nina, Steve, and YouTube's evolving to be more of a thought leadership platform that I started seeing hyper growth. Um, you know, five six years in.
1: And the and when you started to kind of I suppose get around, you know, you said beforehand about. Principles of success and trying to work out what makes people successful. Did you start to go deeper into that type of content as well? Cause, cause the stuff you do now, I mean, you, you, it's almost like you research these people, study them quite forensically, actually to then draw out the things that resonate with you as to what's made them successful. And that, 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 that's when I think about your stuff, that's the stuff that I think about the most. No one does that. No, no one goes to that level of granularity. And that to me, which makes your stuff unique. I appreciate you saying that. Um, That's what I felt like I badly needed. You know, when I was researching Bill
0: Gates' story and I was 19 years old, struggling with my software company, there was a lot of stuff about him that I didn't care or didn't find relevant or valuable. But there was that one bit of advice about partnerships, strategic alliances that then blew up my whole company. So I would, even if I couldn't find a way to make money doing this, I would still have at least my researcher on my team making the videos for me. Because I want to be around Elon Musk and Oprah Winfrey and these people every day. I need it my, I still need it myself today for me. It's great that I can build a business and have a YouTube channel, have all these views and everything else. But if you sit and, and listen to an Elon Musk press conference, there's going to be, first off, Elon Musk is not the best speaker in the world. Uh, second off, there's going to be a lot of stuff that he talks about that doesn't impact my life right now as an entrepreneur. And third is going to get asked a lot of questions that don't, re- that don't resonate with what I care about right now in my life or business. So the, having somebody to go through and watch a four, you know, four, five, 20 hours of video to then bring that down to the best 15 minutes, I think is really valuable. So that's what I started doing. And then I trained somebody on my team. And now we've got multiple researchers on the team doing that. That was actually the hardest role to train for because I needed him to think like me. It's like, here's how I would cut this video because I'm the filter. You know, if you, you're you getting stuff from Elon Musk and Warren Buffett and Oprah Winfrey, but you're seeing it through the way that I see it and what I've learned from that I think you can find valuable as well. So everything's positive, for example. There's no negativity on the channel. If I made a top 10 rules of Kanye dissing somebody, that would blow up, you know, that would do super well, but it's, it makes me feel gross. You know, it's, it's not the content I want to put up. He was the first guy, he's on my wall behind me, Kanye West. He was the first top 10 rules I ever did on a channel. And so we've always stayed positive. We've always stayed encouraging. We've always stayed optimistic, which has probably hurt the growth of the channel where it could have been, but it makes me feel a lot more happy with the community that I'm building and what we're trying to do because the content that we put up is still seen through my lens. So whether I'm speaking or whether I'm doing DJing, Gary V calls me the DJ that like to you know inspire people. He's like, can I use that, Gary? He's like, yes, yes. <laughs>
1: Thanks, Gary. Thanks for that, Thanks, mate. Thanks, Gary.
0: Yeah. Um, I think I think that's a valuable service. That again, even if I even if nobody ever watched them, I would still make a video a day for me because it's valuable for my growth.
1: One of the things, I, years ago, I used to work in branding. It was kind of the starting point of my, let's say, corporate career before I got into private equity. And uh, one of the best definitions of a brand I ever heard was a promise of consistency. And so, you know, when you deviate from that, that's when it starts to cause concerns and issues because people don't trust it. You know, consistency leads to trust. So, two, two things I just want to emphasize before we go into the last part of what I want to ask you today is, is first and foremost, you know, very humbly, you've said all the way through this conversation um, how you've just put stuff out there all the time. That that in itself is incredible, right? A lot of people don't put that level of depth into their art and they they, they sort of go in the surface level deep. But like 10,000 videos, the research, there's a, there's a point here where you've kind of earned the success you've got from the graft and the hard work you've put in. So, again, I like to just draw that out for people listening because a lot of a lot of younger, younger entrepreneurs in particular come to me, they kind of look for the easy route. And I often say there isn't an easy route. My route wasn't easy, right? It was fun and it was enjoyable. It was challenging and it was tough, but you've got to go through that, right? And, and then the payoff at the end is, is great, but once you've gone through that. So, anyway, just wanted to acknowledge that. Um, okay, this is maybe a more difficult thing. I reckon it's going to be difficult for you. This is my, my thought before asking the question. Um, out of all of the people, right? All of the research, all of the, the the photos on the back of the wall there, and all of that, there are going to be some success principles that resonate for you personally on your journey. You know, the things that maybe become guiding principles for you. What are the few that just jump out, and who said them that have just stayed and stuck with you, that have been really important on your journey to date?
0: The most important one for me is belief. Belief that you can. Belief that you. If you do it, will, it will work out. Belief in the work that you're actually creating, belief. That comes from my parents, I, I think, as a starting point. They're on the wall behind me. I've got five pictures on my wall for, for uh, the audio audience here. And they're, they're fairly giant pictures. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the one right in the middle is a picture of me when I'm eight or nine years old and my parents above me. And they're there because every time I walk into my office, I look at that picture, even if for a couple seconds. And my mom would always tell me, you're Evan Castrulli Carmichael, you can do anything you believe that you can. You're Evan really Carmichael, you can do anything you believe that you can.
1: Cool.
0: And that stuck with me. Like anytime I didn't do well in school, anytime I failed, anytime I struggled, I mean, there's so many setbacks and struggles as we all go through them. Instead of just the punishment of, okay, you, you didn't do well in school, they, they would always leave me with the positive of, you can do anything you believe that you can.
1: I got goosebumps with that. I, I love that. I think that's, yeah, that's really good. And so, you know, belief, uh, they, they're not entrepreneurs and they don't, they're not, you know,
0: sophisticated business people. They haven't built a billion dollar company or anything like that. Um, but they taught me how to be a human. And I think that's the most important core value that I just bring into what I'm trying to do. And I bring it to my business. The other four people in my wall, we got Steve Jobs, EP Giannini, who's my favorite entrepreneur of all time. Uh, Howard Schultz who started Starbucks and then yep. Kanye West, uh, belief is ingrained in all of them in different ways and they're reminders of, of the person that I want to be. Um, you know, I've got Steve jobs for the, wanting to have a giant impact on the world, make the dent in the universe, but I don't want to be a father. Like Steve jobs was a father, you know, my dad's on the wall. Cause I want to be a dad like my dad was to me, but I want to be a visionary like Steve jobs. Cause my dad's not a visionary. So it's, your goal isn't to be the next anybody, it's to take different pieces from different people. So if you sit there and watch you know, a top 10 rules video, if you learn one thing from them, great, you don't need to be the next Warren Buffett, but you can take one thing that he does and apply it to your life to become better. Uh, and so that's the goal that I've tried to take from everybody, but the common theme through all of them, the most important lesson that I constantly need is just more belief, belief that the next step is possible because you can give them all the strategies, you know, partner up. This is how you scale up You partner. Great. Okay. That, that's great. Nick, let's go. But then if they don't have the belief that they can do it, they're not going to do it. And, you know, I saw that a lot in my early days of helping entrepreneurs it's like, okay, here's the roadmap. Just do this. But they don't take the action because they don't believe that they, they can do it and that it will work out. Uh, and so a lot of it shifted to, okay, belief is the most important thing. And when you believe in yourself, and in your Michael Jordan level genius, as I like to call it, then um, you can accomplish a lot more and the how becomes a lot easier.
1: Awesome. Do you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to finish our conversation there, Evan, because I think that's a great way to finish. <laughs> even though I could ask you multiple questions that are going to be uh, nothing, even as close to as good as that response. So, <laughs> so the only thing I will say is um, just cause I'm interested as well. What's next on the horizon for Evan Carmichael? Um, I think in terms of mission mm. and lifetime, you know, I want to help.
0: I want to solve the world's biggest problem, which I think people don't believe in themselves enough. And so I'm never going to solve that problem. And I wake up every day trying to solve that problem. So that's, that's forever. That's my forever goal. Apart from that, it's what am I doing right now? You know, I, I don't know where I'm going to be in five years or 10 years. People often ask me that. Like, well, if, think about who you were 10 years ago. Would you have, with any accuracy predicted where you're going to be right now? It's like not no if you're growing. So what makes you think you know where you're going to be in 10 years, right? I mean, it's, so it's not bad to have a list of goals or a vision board or whatever, but being flexible enough to recognize you're going to change a lot. So I'm, I'm mission. And then what am I doing right now? Uh, as soon as I have a horizon, it's action, like you get an idea, we're doing it at least in some small way right now today it's like i'm gonna start a podcast okay today i'm starting a podcast let's go
1: make my first podcast right so i don't really have a great answer to that um that was a pretty that was a pretty good answer i wasn't gonna ask about the five ten years okay you you said you said three things you know you said basically stay on the course right be present today take action right they're they're three pretty they're three pretty good things (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so this is the problem, right? I keep I keep trying to be disciplined and appreciative of your time, but I know that we could take the conversation in multiple directions. But, but I will be I will be honest to my word and say, uh, this has been awesome. So thank you. I just want to um, say, from just a quick summary, the stuff that you've created is is great. I want uh, people who are listening to this podcast to go and look at your stuff on YouTube. Um, You're in, you know, running rooms in Clubhouse as well, putting great inspirational content out in there as well. Um, And and what other stuff, if people wanna reach out to you and things like that, obviously subscribe to your YouTube channel. Is there anywhere else that they can reach you and um, just acknowledge your work?
0: Uh, Yeah, YouTube is probably the easiest spot. YouTube or Instagram are the two places where I'm hanging out the most. So that's easy to find me. yeah, type in whoever you like, whoever successful entrepreneur, you'll probably find a video that we made on them. Um, my ask to your audience would actually probably be to go leave a review for this show for Nick. You know, Nick, Nick's put in a lot of work to make this stuff happen. He's asked me a whole bunch of questions that I've never been asked before. And I've done a lot of different shows. So it just speaks to the prep work that you put in, as well as just the innate curiosity that you have and the courage to ask the questions that other people might be a little too afraid to ask. So if you guys have found value in this episode or in, in any of the other episodes that Nick's put out, go, go give them a five-star
1: review on, oh, uh, man. show them some love. Oh, let me know. I've got the, you know, thank you, sir. <laughs> I, I, I get, I get a little bit embarrassed because I, you know, as I said, the show is about my guests as much as anything else, but thank you for that. And, and yeah, it's been a pleasure. Great to finally connect. It's been a long time coming, um, Evan, and it's been everything I expected it to be. So thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thanks for, uh, for bringing me into your world, sir. I appreciate it. And um, now I'm going to try. you got two minutes? Yep. I'm going to just try and get my nine-year-old quickly. Part of this, this, is, this, is, this is just for her to have a bit of bravery. So let me just try yeah. this. Okay. She's a bit nervous. Come here. This is Arabella. Yeah, this, is- this is great. Hey! This is Arabella. This is Evan. Say hi. hi. Hello. Now, can you tell Evan what do you, what do you want to do? You want to you want to build something, don't you? What is it?
2: I want to have my own YouTube channel.
1: Yeah. Doing what?
2: I want to have my own YouTube gaming channel.
0: Gaming channel. Which game?
2: I'm like playing Minecraft and Roblox and Among the, Us.
0: What do you think about the new update 1.17?
2: And yeah, I really like it. The goat is really cool.
0: How, how about the axolotls? Yeah. <laughs> did you get Did you get all the axolotls? I
2: haven't seen them yet.
0: They're the little They're the little things that go in the water. The new water creature that you can. Oh yeah, the,
2: the little cat. things that look like cats.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. The water cats. Do
1: you have yeah. some.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Those guys.
0: got,
2: Matilda
1: got go ahead. one as a pet. Uh, Matilda's my other daughter. Matilda got one as a pet. Evan. <laughs> oh, those are those.
0: Yeah, I love the axolotls. How about the glowberries? Do you have any glowberries yet?
2: I know, I haven't found them
1: yet. They're hard to find. You got to go into the caves. but they're so, hard to find. I told you speaking to Evan. good. So what's one tip, Evan, for someone who's nine, who wants to start a gaming YouTube channel, what's the one thing that Arabella should think about? Three times a week, put a video up.
2: Okay.
0: Three times a week, put a video up. And you've got two options, okay? Either it's going to be educational stuff of how to do something. So, like how to find an axolotl. How to build your starter home, how to build an auto sheep farm, how to whatever, right? Like how to, or you take people on a journey of what you're doing. So today I'm going to build my house or today I'm going to go try to find some glow berries or today I'm going to, and it's a story from one episode to the next. Does one, does one feel more right to you?
2: I like, um, the one where you're going saying like, I'm going to go and build my house today or like.
0: So okay. so then you, you start with uh you start with this thing before you record the video, you think what do I want what do I want to make this video about today? Today I'm going to just answer that question, right? Today I'm going to blank. And then that's your video for the day.
1: What do you reckon? You can yeah. you do that? Yeah. Okay, what do you say, Evan?
0: Thank you.
1: No problem. You go. Good luck.
0: Good luck finding the glow berries. Uh, <laughs> Should be right on the night. Night.
1: <laughs> thanks. Uh, cool, man. I appreciate that. She, she she's just she's like oh she's like talks about it all the time. And she's not normally a shy character, but I think, you know, at the end of the day, she doesn't do a lot of this stuff yet.
0: Yeah. I mean, my so my twelve year old son has his channel, my twelve year old nephew has a channel, and my nine year old niece of the same age has her channel. Um, yeah. it's 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 a thing. It's great.
1: Awesome. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of Scale Up with Nick Bradley. If you've enjoyed the show just as much as I've enjoyed creating it for you, then I'd really appreciate you leaving a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And while you're there, why not subscribe to the channel so you never miss a future episode? It really helps me, it helps the show, plus it makes it easier for others to access the content that I'm producing week in and week out. And finally, if you want more information about anything that you heard in today's show, to find out how you can join our community on Facebook or to find out how you can get get more help in scaling up your business and your life, click the link in the show notes now.